Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Before we started uh, this uh, series of sermon, uh, whose name is Reframing, uh, we had the roundtable uh, of the minister's uh, uh, study, and that was Life of Paul. When I was uh, preparing and studying the Life of Paul, I noticed something that I hadn't noticed before. You know, Paul says he was called an apostle by the grace of God. And also, uh, in many occasions in the Bible, Paul said that uh, he had grace of God abundantly. Um, But yet, he suffered a lot. He was persecuted and, you know, he had to work harder than any other apostles, any other people, according to him. And um, in my understanding of the scripture, it didn't seem that he had much grace because he had to suffer so much and he had to uh, go through so much afflictions and persecutions and hardships and, you know, even to death. So that raised uh, a few questions about grace. What is grace? What does it mean to have grace of God in our lives, in Christian lives? So uh, I suggested this kind of uh, study to other ministers and uh, other ministers discussed about that and we uh, uh, decided to do something like this that we may think about again uh, by the name of reframing. So uh, my topic is grace. Paul did about, I mean, Kyle did about uh, salvation and uh, Jay did about forgiveness, and I am doing about grace. Okay, so. Oh. Wow. Okay, uh, the right side is in Korean, but the arrangement is broken, so I'm sorry. 
so this uh, study is kind of a sharing of my study about the grace. Uh, I've been studying the Bible since I became a Christian 16 years ago. So I thought I knew uh, some about grace, but as I studied this again, you know, I could reframe my understanding and my knowledge about grace very much. So I would like to share it with you tonight. So my first question was this. Uh, sorry. Oh. Yeah. What does grace do in Christian lives? What does grace do in Christian lives? Um, I found two uh, scriptures uh, which are pretty uh, intriguing to me. There was w- uh, one was Second Corinthians chapter seven verse ten. Uh, if I read it, Second uh, Corinthians chapter four verses seven through ten. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the suppressing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. So what Paul is talking about here is that he was afflicted in many ways. He was persecuted and he, uh, he was um, afflicted in every way, but he didn't, he didn't die because of those uh, hardships, because of the afflictions. There was something that helped him, that helped him to go through those difficulties. According to him, uh, in this verse, it is surpassing power. Surpassing power. Here the word surpassing means going beyond the throw of a stone. Going beyond the throw of a stone. You know, if we have a mark uh, and if we want to hit the mark with a stone, with a rock, then we will throw it with all our strength. But if the mark is beyond our strength, beyond our throw, then we would not be able to hit the mark. So we need, if we really want to hit the mark, we need some more power. And the power is the surpassing power. And Paul says the surpassing power belongs to God. It does not belong to us. So what it means is that if we try to do something, if we try to accomplish something in God's will, but 
our strength, our power is not sufficient to accomplish that thing, then we need some more power. We need help. And God supplies the power. And that is the power which Apostle Paul called here surpassing power. And the surpassing power comes from God. So by this idea, the surpassing power fills the gap between the throw of our own and the mark. We want to hit the mark according to God's will. We want to accomplish the things, the works in God's will. But our strength our power, our ability falls short. But in the church, we accomplish a lot of things, but not by power only, but by God's power also. So God's power, without God's power, we cannot accomplish the things in God's will. But God, because God gives us the surpassing power which is going beyond our throne, we can accomplish those things. So I think this word gave me the idea what grace is, Great, what grace does. Grace does something for us to accomplish God's will, even though our power is short. Our power is not sufficient to hit the marks. So the surpassing power is the grace. And the grace fills the gap between our throw and the mark. That was very intriguing and that was very interesting. And that, uh, that made me start this study. And I... I went to Romans chapter 3, verse 23 to 25, which is about salvation, you know, redemption, and Jesus' propitiation. That is the gist of our salvation, right? And that is, I mean, the grace, the idea of what grace does was there, which I didn't notice before. Okay, let me read the scripture. Romans chapter 3, verses 23 to 25. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. Here, there is a very interesting word, for short of, just one word, hupobole uh, in Greek, which means fail to reach. Fail to reach. So, we all have sinned, 
So even if we try to be saved, even if we want to go to heaven on our own, we, can, we can't. We can go to heaven for ourselves. We can save ourselves on our own. So we fall short of the glory of God. We cannot reach heaven. We cannot reach salvation on our own. So we need help from God because we fall short of the glory of God. And the surpassing power comes in and helps us to reach the goal here. And it is Jesus Christ. It is his death, his crucifixion, his love. You know. So that's, uh, that is what we call propitiation. He paid the ransom. He paid the price for us, which we ourselves can do. That's much beyond our ability. That is much beyond our throw. But God gave us the surpassing power through Jesus Christ that we can reach heaven. We can reach salvation. That's what grace does. So the text says, by his grace as a gift, we are justified. We are initially saved. So, what grace does is filling the gap. Filling the gap between our own throw and the mark. Even if we throw as, I mean, as hard as we can, we can, we can reach the mark. We can hit the mark. And some things like salvation is impossible for, human, for a human being being to accomplish for himself or herself. So we need grace of God. We need the surpassing power. We need the power. We need the help, aid that fills the gap. Okay, so what grace does is filling the gap. Then my question uh, went to the next question, I mean, next one. What is the condition? What is the condition for us to receive or for us to enjoy the grace of God? Um, many people, especially uh, in denominational world, people think that salvation is free. Yes, it is free. We didn't do anything to be saved. I mean, actually, uh, we cannot buy salvation for, I mean, by paying anything we have, even our righteous works. We cannot buy salvation. But it doesn't mean that it is not conditional. You know, priceless, I mean, it is for free, doesn't mean that it doesn't have any condition. 
right? Um, I like, I like uh, Mexican food. You know, recently, uh, Sister Becky introduced us a very, very good rest, you know, Mexican restaurant in Flowery Branch. And their chip is great, you know, very fresh. And their sauce is roasted sauce and roasted salsa sauce. And, you know, I enjoyed it. And my, I brought my friends and I brought my family there and they loved it. So the chip is free there. But is it really, I mean, does it mean that you can get the chip anytime if you want it? Okay, let me get some chip because I like it. No, you have to go there and buy some food, right? It is conditional. It is conditionally free. It's like that, you know. Uh, being something free doesn't necessarily mean that it is, uh, it is without any condition. So grace is also free, but it is conditional. We have to meet the condition to get the grace of God. So what is that? So let me uh, let us uh, remind ourselves uh, three stories in the Bible to figure out what it is. First, uh, John chapter twenty-one. Uh, there is a story when the disciples, after Jesus was resurrected, uh, seven disciples, seven apostles went to fishing. Went fishing. Overnight, they, you know, threw, threw nets, but they didn't catch anything. But the next morning, uh, Jesus appeared at the bank, and Jesus told them, to throw the net on the right side of the boat. And they followed the instruction, and they caught a lot of fish. I believe it, it was 153 fish. So they could not hold it in because there were so many, so heavy fish there in the net. So what they did to cut the fish but they couldn't catch the fish for themselves. Even though they, you know, threw the net overnight, they didn't catch anything. So they couldn't catch the fish uh, for themselves. But when they followed Jesus, they caught a lot of fish. So what they did was they followed Jesus' instruction. In other words, they obeyed Jesus' instruction. Okay, that's simple. And the other story is Mark chapter uh, 6. There are two stories. One, when Jesus visited uh, his hometown, Nazareth. He couldn't do many mighty works there. Why? Because they didn't believe. They knew Jesus, so they ignored that Jesus was the Messiah. And they didn't believe what Jesus could do. And so Jesus could not do many mighty works because of their unbelief there. And another example was, you know, feeding 5,000. Feeding 5,000. 
first, Jesus told his disciples that feed these people, give something to eat to these people. But the response of the disciples was, how can you do that? It's a remote place. How can you buy so many food to feed these people? And they even didn't try. They didn't do anything to do that. They were just making excuses, and they didn't do anything to do it. I mean, they didn't attempt anything to do it. So Jesus came in, and he did it. He fed 5,000 people. So again, we can see that if we want to get the grace of God, we need to follow Jesus. We need to follow God. We need to do something in obedience to his will, to his commandments. Even for salvation, it's the same. Luke chapter 15, verse, uh, Luke chapter 15, there is the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son realized that he was wrong and he got up and he repented. And the father saw him afar. And the father ran to him and embraced him. So the son only repented. He just turned. And the father did the rest. That's grace, I think. That's grace. But here, one thing that we need to, uh, we need to notice is that the, the son did something. He returned. I mean, he turned. He repented. So he did something in obedience to God's will and Father's will. So the condition for us to receive grace, for us to uh, enjoy the grace of God, to accomplish God's will in our lives is by faith. We have to have faith. We have to trust in God. We have to obey God's will. We have to understand His will and we have to do something in obedience, in attempting the work or the mark by faith. So Romans chapter, two, uh, chapter 5, verse 2 says, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So the way that we can get into the grace is by faith. It's living by faith. It's attempting by something by faith. And also Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 regarding our salvation, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Without faith, we can't get the grace of God. And my next question came to this one, a little bit strange, maybe. 
how to have grace abound. So grace is great. God's grace is great. I mean, God's grace is unimaginable. I mean, immeasurable. I mean, it's huge, beyond our imagination. God's power is beyond our imagination. So we don't know how big it might be. But if we don't know something about God's grace, how can we have God's grace abound in our lives? We may be enjoying just a little bit of grace in our lives. I heard a story of a poor couple uh, who, you know, managed to manage to uh, go on a cruise trip. You know, cruise trip. I, I mean, I have never been on a cruise trip, but cruise trip includes everything. You know, food and you know, uh, lodging and everything. So they don't have to fish on the cruise ship. You know, to to eat. They don't have to cook. But this poor couple didn't know that. Because they were so poor, they thought that could, they could buy only the you know, boarding. They didn't think that they, they bought the food there by the ticket. So while others enjoyed so much food on the crude, uh, they, they were cooking their food and they were eating their food, very small, little, humble food. And somebody told them that, you know, your food is included in your ticket. It's like that. If we don't understand the principle about the grace, how can we have God's grace abound in our lives? Well, we can be like that, like the poor couple with small little bit grace you know oh this is a, this is god's grace this is god's grace but i am so poor i am so you know afflicted i am so uh, you know pitiful so god's grace is great so i think uh, we have to know that well, the way that we can get god's grace abundantly in our lives. For example, uh, let's uh, get that idea from some examples in the Bible. Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul, chapter 15, verse, I mean, 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 10, let me, it says, but by the grace of God, I am where I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Apostle Paul said that he had a lot of grace. I mean, by grace, he was cold even before he was born. I mean, he was kind of exaggerating. I mean, he was expressing the abundance of grace that he received from God by that words. And how? Here, he, he said, I walked harder. 
I worked harder. If I try to accomplish a little thing, God will give us, God doesn't need to give us abundant grace because, because I am attempting a very little thing, little bitty thing. But if I try to attempt a greater thing, then God will give us, give me greater grace, bigger grace, because God is pleased with the accomplishment. And it's the same. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 10, Apostle Paul says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our, bo- in our bodies. He was aiming great things, saving so many souls, not only in his hometown, but also other, you know, other countries, in other continents. He aimed so high. And God's grace was abundant because Paul was a human, Paul was a human too. He couldn't get that marks on his own. But God was pleased with his aims, with his purposes. So God poured his grace unto him that he could accomplish such a great work in evangelism. So he said, I worked hard for God's will, to accomplish God's will. That's the way for even for us to get more grace, more and more grace from God. Aim high, aim higher in God's will. Don't be just satisfied with a little bit of grace. Then God will give us Abundant grace. So, Apostle Paul said, chapter, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. In other words, if I interpret it according to the lesson of this uh, 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 lesson tonight, I can do all things by the grace of God. So what it means is that I will aim big things, huge things, and I'll, in God's will, according to God's will, because I believe in God's grace, because I believe God will be pleased with it, and he will pour out his abundant grace unto me that I can accomplish those things in God's will, in his will. Another example is Elijah in the Bible. You know, uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, he was, he challenged the, uh, the priests and the uh, priests of the Baal, right? 
after the priests of Baal uh, failed to, you know, call the fire from heaven because their God was just an idol, dead idol. Elijah made the condition much harder. He poured water around the around the altar, and the trench was filled filled with water. And Elijah said this to God. I mean, prayed to prayed this to God. O oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O oh Lord, answer me, that these people may know that you, O oh Lord, are God. He aimed so high, much, much higher than others. The bells, priests. And he believed in God's grace. He believed God's surpassing power. And God responded to it. And he sent fire to the altar and consumed even the waters around the, around the altar. Elijah enjoyed abundant grace because he aimed higher and he believed very, very firmly in God's grace. What about Jesus? What about Jesus? Matthew chapter 26, verse 39 says, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it, is, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You know what? The task he was sitting before was saving the whole mankind. He was doing the greatest work, and he was asking God for grace. I can imagine how it was so hard when he was attempting that huge, unprecedented work in history. Probably he was so nervous but he prayed to God. And Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9 says about that, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the, than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. He could taste the death to complete the plan of salvation by the grace of God. And when Jesus completed the plan, he said, John chapter 19, verse 30, it is 
finished. I can feel, I mean, I just can feel how it was so stressful and hard for Jesus to go through that big task, big work. But it was not possible without God's grace. And the grace was, I mean, I can say that it was the biggest grace. And by that grace, he could complete the plan of salvation. And we are those who are taking advantage of the plan that he completed. So the way that we can have grace abound in our lives, aim high, work hard, and attempt good things, great things in God's will. Don't be just complacent. Don't be just self-satisfied. Don't be lazy. Work hard, aim high, attempt great things in God's will. And we will, we will be poured out the grace of God abundantly into our lives. So um, this is what I studied about the grace of God. Without grace of God, we cannot be saved. Without grace of God, we cannot accomplish great things. Even though we gather together, even though we, uh, we are a great congregation here, we, even though we have a, a good leaders and good workers and good ministers here, if we don't attempt higher things, If we are just, you know, comparable with what we are now, then we will not grow. If we don't have the confidence in God's grace and, and you know, challenge ourselves to accomplish better and more and greater works in God's will, our congregation will die out our church will get smaller and weaker. So, um, I would like to you know, challenge us, ourselves, including me, to aim high and work hard in God's will. We are doing, uh, you know, uh, go and do in this year, and I think that was a great Thing. I mean, that is a great thing. So uh, let's just not be satisfied with what we are doing, but we, let's try the more. Let's try harder. I mean, I'm not criticizing you are lazy, you are, doing, uh, you are not doing your best, but, you know, I'm just encouraging us, ourselves, including me. And we can do that because we have God's grace. God's grace is abundant, and His grace is available for those who believe.
him and in his grace. If here anybody does not yet understand or uh, hear anybody who didn't get the benefit of God's grace to be saved, I really want you to know that His grace is available for you now. So you can accept Him. You can accept the salvation, the grace. So repent of your sins and just, just believe it. You know, some people say that, some, some people think that, you know, I'm not so good to be saved. I'm not so good to be baptized yet. I, I will get better. I will try my best to get better, and then I will be baptized. No, you don't have to. It's not you who save you, but God's grace. If you trust in God, and if you trust in God's grace, and put yourself in his hand and just repent, your, repent of your sins and, and immerse in the water, by grace, he will save you. So that's my invitation for those who are not, uh, who, you know, who are not the family of God yet. So uh, if there is any other uh, things that we can help you tonight, uh, whatever it may be, please come before while we stand and sing. from you. 